right straight there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, thanks so much. That's very encouraging. Uh, Lee and I have really uh, got through a lot, quite a few changes these past couple of years, and I uh, appreciate just the encouragement. As a matter of fact, let's do that again. <laughs> But uh, I, uh, I am a little nervous. It's been a couple of years. It's been about a year. So I'm a little nervous. I talked to some of the brothers out there that we have a signal system. If I do this, that they're going to break out in like spontaneous applause and encouragement. So that's going to help me. But uh, let's bow our heads and let's pray first. Father, we're so grateful to you, uh, God, to be together on a Wednesday night to encourage one another, uh, God, during the midweek. Uh, Father, we do get a little bit beat up and... Uh, you get uh, a little bit uh, frazzled by the work schedule and all the things that are going on. Help us to really put the scripture into practice by encouraging one another and uh, to really lift up one another as well, God. I pray that your word will really inspire us to understand what we're a part of and uh, got to go out and be the salt of the world. Thanks so much for Steve and uh, Jackie and just their, their leadership and their love for the church here. And I really am grateful to them. I know Lena and I are super grateful to be in the same group and just to have fun together. And uh, just to feel uh, just a big brother and a big sister in our lives and grateful for them. God bless their work in the sector as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so now we're going to do the church study. And uh, there's a French saying. French people are a little bit of a downer. You can always tell a French movie because it starts off really happy and it ends up in like depression. Okay. American movies, on the other hand, it's the total opposite. Starts out really sad. There's always a happy ending. I think the Bible is more like American movies. But you know what they say? They say that God promises the kingdom, but instead we get the church. You can take it any way you want. But really, it, it, it's, it's revealing how people feel about church. You see, when you talk about the kingdom, it's inspiring. You know, I'll die for the kingdom. I want to be part of the kingdom. But church, that's where it's kind of like comparing the honeymoon to the marriage. Church is kind of like the marriage. It's kind of like, I want to die for the kingdom, but church is like, man, I, I can't go to the game with you today, Justin. Um, I got to go to church. It's kind of like that. It's where we put the flesh on the bones. It's where really Christianity gets lived out Amongst us. That's where the relationship, you know, the good and the bad gets worked out. It's part of the kingdom if we obey God's word. But it's the church. It's the brotherhood here on earth. You know, when I think about the kingdom, I think about the church. It fires me up. You know, Steve, I appreciate you giving me a chance to preach. You know, he he gave us a few uh, lessons to choose from. And I chose the church because the church is so amazing to me. It is the hope of the world. You know, it's so amazing that God calls it. I'll read this to you. It's pretty amazing. It says, although I am less than least of all of God's people. This is Paul speaking. He says, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Which for the ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, should he be made known the rulers, the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, 
which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, when I look at this scripture, it is staggering if you think about the implication. All the great things that Jesus has done, all the things that he's taught. And when he left this earth, he has empowered the church to be the representative, the reflection of who God is. What the world sees in him, it sees through us in the church. I don't know about you, but that is staggering. That is amazing that God would instill that kind of responsibility to us. It sheds a different light to what church is all about. Doesn't it? It transcends. Okay, let's be here early. It transcends. Let's, let's show up. It transcends all of that. You know, when I look at the world today, when I, look, when I read the newspapers, there was an article today about the children of Vietnam where they were in the dumps. And they get sold. And, and one reporter went to the dumps to report. And a father came up to her and offered his child for $100. And I think about that, and I think about the church. I think about what's going to change that. Is there going to be some NGO? Yes, I think God does work through that. But at the end of the day, it is a mind change that comes through the church. And I'm so proud of the brothers and sisters in Vietnam. The church there, they have two churches, one in North Vietnam and one in South, and about 125 disciples. They, church, they started the Hanoi Church of Christ about a year and a half ago. They baptized 10 disciples already. And it's a constant threat. And you know what? Maybe the communists understand something a little bit more than we do about the church because they are afraid of the church. And why are they afraid of the church? They know that if we change the hearts and the minds of people, that's a revolution. Even if it's just one person, that's a revolution. And they know it. They track the disciples there. They prevent them from meeting more than 10 people or whatever it is now. They know that it is dangerous, and I think they know more than us. You know, that saying about the kingdom and the church, it's so true today. You know, sometimes the world laugh at the church because if it's, if it's, if it's, there's no power in it. And that's exactly what Jesus talks about, didn't he? He said, it is the salt, we are the salt of the world, but yet when it loses its saltiness, what happens to it? It gets trampled and thrown out by men. It is either the salt of the earth or it is going to get trampled by men. And that's what people do. They trample on the church. When they look at the church, they laugh at it. Where's the power? But when I look at the church, it is the hope of the world. It really is. The 120 disciples in Vietnam, the 110 disciples in Myanmar, in Burma, living there, the 200 disciples in, in Bangkok, the 800 or 500 or whatever, how many disciples there are in Tokyo right now, they are there. And I think God has great plans for those churches. And the best days are still ahead if we latch on to what God says. That's why this church study is so important. You know, by now, when the guy that's studying the Bible with us or the girl that's studying the Bible with us, it's not just what they read in the scripture. By now, they've gone through a few studies already. What have they seen? Have they seen the church lived out in us? Have they seen the community, whether it's on Sunday or broken down into community groups or more so in the small family group? Do they see the church lived out? Are they convinced by what they read or are they convinced by what they see? That is a challenge for us as a church. 
It is the manifold wisdom of God. It's the, it's, you know, manifold. What does that mean? It means the very varied. It's a difference. It's all these different things working together, coming together. That's what the church is. And every single one of us is so important in that construction of what the church is. You know, today we're going to study the church, and I, I hope that we really get a new conviction, a renewed conviction of what the church was and is. I say was because of me. When I was a kid coming out of, uh, I was in college, and I was checking out church. I was really looking. And uh, there was a group of disciples that were on campus and they had a, bi- a bad Bible talk. No one showed up. And the guy came out, and he literally, when he opened the door, he hit me as I was walking by. And, uh, you know, I thought about that. I think about that moment all the time. And when I went into the church, I saw brothers singing. I saw people wrestling and fighting for the scriptures. Not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. Little things. I was driving to the Bible talk with the guy who met me. And there were two girls walking by. And I, I looked at him. And I wanted to see if he was looking through the rearview mirror. Little things. He didn't. Little things. The unity. The friendship. The conviction. It motivated a 21-year-old kid who had his whole life ahead of him. Changed the entire course of my life. Pretty powerful stuff. Where I was going to live, who I was going to marry, what kids I was going to have, my career. Powerful, powerful stuff. That's what we're a part of. But sometimes we don't recognize that. You know, there's this brother in, um, in Bangkok, Thailand, uh, one time we were having a devotional, uh, a D time. He looked kind of down. I said, bro, what's up? He says, I'm kind of down. My company, we didn't do that well. We grossed 30 million this year. I said, is that pesos? Bot? Dollars. Dollars. I was like, well, I'm, I'm pity. So sad for you. You know, uh, sad stuff, you know. And, and it's a great story because he, uh, his company was started because his family found this gem in the backyard of their farm. It was actually the other guy's neighbor, Jim, borrowed some money from his family, did not have the money to pay it back, gave him the, stem, the stone instead. Didn't recognize what it was. They had it in the cupboards for like months until they brought it in to be appraised. An Asian dude appraised it in Hong Kong, start bowing down to the stone. It was one of the largest stem stones of its kind in the world. They carved it up, made a ton of money. Now they're millionaires, multi-millionaires. And you might say, well, yeah, but are they happy? Uh, yes, they are. They're really happy. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. I, it's incredible how happy they are. Like unspeakable happiness. You know, and, and uh, but, I, you know, b- besides those guys, I know what happened to those guys. What happened to that poor dude in Cambodia that gave away the stone? He didn't recognize what he had. And I think sometimes as disciples we can be like that. And we don't share the gospel as powerfully as it should be. We don't understand. We don't expect people. I appreciate what Brian did last week in the terms of the studies. And he laid out some of the things that we need to do. Not just going through the study, but really how to study the Bible with people. And I was thinking, I was taking notes, I was taking notes. And I want to add one more thing. And that is have expectation on people when you study with them. You know, the Bible says produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You know, it's not being mean. It's just, hey, look, you know, you're, you're checking their hearts. You're helping them to change their minds. Look at the conversions in the Bible. Thief on the cross. How did he become a Christian? Change your heart. Within a few hours, 
This guy has done nothing wrong. He figured out that Jesus was innocent. I deserve to be here. Number three, what did he say? He said, remember me when you get to heaven. That was a change of heart. That was a change of mind. You gotta look for those things. You gotta look, are they changing in their hearts? Are they, are they understanding what the kingdom is all about? Do they realize what they're being offered? What they're being offered? You know, I remember again when I was 21, I called my girlfriend. I went to the church and we were, we were having a great service. I remember calling, we didn't have a cell phone, I went to a pay phone, called her. And I said, I, I think I found what I've been looking for all of my life. And it was, it was really a weird feeling. I still remember it till today. It was, it was, it was a scary feeling because I knew my life was going to change. It was scared, but it was an excitement beyond belief. I broke up with her and the rest is history. God bless me. But I remember thinking that was the easiest thing I've ever done. Although it was the hardest thing I've ever done up to that point. It was the kingdom. It was so powerful that it changed my mind. It changed my heart. The church. What is the church? Church defined. Let me get some, uh, some of you guys to read. Let me get someone to read. Oh. All right. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> All right. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. Okay. And then uh, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. All right. And then Ephesians 4, 3 to 4. And then 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, 12 to 27. And then let's do Hebrews 3, 12 to 13. Back there. Let's do Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Um, and then uh, let's do 2 Corinthians 9, um, 6 to 8. And then lastly, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 2. And then I'll finish up the rest. Who's going to do the last one? Okay, great. Okay, Colossians 1, verse 15, 18. What is the church to church divine? this to confront a heresy. It's called the Colossians heresy. And the Colossians were known to have been Gnostics and that kind of teaching the knowledge part of their thinking was creeping into the church. And Paul wrote to them and said, listen, Jesus is supreme. There is no other. There's no one else. He's not a God. He's not one of many gods. He is the head of the church. Definitively Paul wanted to make that clear. And he is in control. Jesus is the true head of the body. In order to have a relationship with Jesus, one must be a part of that body. They are working together. As we had talked about in, in, in the other scripture, Jesus with the church. There's an intimate relationship. You know, we understand that in a physical sense, right? You know, when your head tells your body to do something and it doesn't, that's a serious issue. We know that, right? It's called a disease. It's called like, you better have some good insurance for that. But it's the same thing in a spiritual sense. You know, Jesus, if we are part of that kingdom, 
we need to adhere to Jesus' command. He is the supreme leader of the church. And, and I think it's important when we study the Bible with people that they know that. They need to understand that, hey, look, who's in charge? Jesus is in the church. Well, how do we do that today? Read his word. Read out, check out the scripture. That's why it's so important for you, John, Tom, Jane, to study out the scripture. You know, how are you doing in your scripture reading? You know, the Bible says that the body is the church and the church is the body of Christ. The body needs the, the head and the church is essential to Christianity, as what we have read earlier on about the manifold wisdom of God. What happens to the body if the head is cut off? What happens to the church if we stop putting Jesus uh, first daily? Okay. We start off with that scripture to really help people understand Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. Amen. You know, the church is the family of God. And in that family, we are brothers and sisters. A lot of times we don't have a choice on who our brothers and sisters are. Okay, I remember when Gabby was being born, we sat down, we talked to Elizabeth and Nicole, and we got the rebuke of our lifetime. They were not ready to have another little sister because they were looking forward to their lives, you know, as high school students. But nonetheless, here comes Gabby, and we are a family together. And it's been awesome. You know, Gabby is five... Uh, she's, uh, she's about 12 pounds, but she produces three quarters of our trash in the house. That's just the way it is. Yeah, there is no choice. I mean, she is part of our family and uh, the kids have adjusted to take care of her. But there is a responsibility in addition to the family. But, you know, I love what the scripture says that we are no longer foreigners or aliens. I was a foreigner. I was an immigrant from Vietnam on the mission field. We were aliens. And there's some things about foreigners and aliens. You don't enjoy the same rights. The inherent rights of a citizen, we don't get. We don't get to vote. We don't have a lot to say in the affairs of the country. But not so as children of God. You know, we are brothers and sisters. Ephesians 4, verse 3 to 4. Was that the right one? Ephesians 4, 3 to 4? Oh, okay. I think it's, uh, what version is that? Okay. You know, it says that, uh, what stands out in this passage? And, you know, Jesus asked a lot of questions. And I think that you got to get people to think. I mean, you, you got to get those brains. We need to worship God with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. And there's no questions. There's no, there's no thinking. You know, the scriptures are deep waters. And if people are studying the Bible with you, they're asking questions. That means they're thinking about it. They're wrestling through with it. If everything is like, yeah, yes, you know, quick answers, they're not thinking. you got to force the issue. I appreciate what Brian said last week. Don't be afraid of silence. You know, don't, don't be a little bit embarrassed. Don't, don't feel pressure to move on. Let them answer. Sometimes, you know, let them flip through the scriptures too. Don't, don't be so quick to help people flip through the scriptures. Let them struggle 
with it. Okay? It's amazing how many times Jesus asks questions in the Bible. What do you think? Who do you think I am? He forced people to think. Okay? It says in Ephesians 4, 3-4, it says, How many churches, bodies are there in God's eyes? There's one. One church. What does that mean? That's a little tricky. Okay? What does that mean to, to, to explain to one church? What I do is that I say, look, the one church is the one that adheres to what the Bible says. How to become a Christian? How to stay a Christian? You've got to read the scriptures. You've got to know what the Bible says. And, what, and if it's not, if we're not adhering to those scriptures, are we willing to change? That's the church. That's the true church in the Bible. Okay, so we covered what is the church defined? Church membership. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27. You know, Paul had an interesting relationship with the church in Corinth. He started the church in Corinth. And you can sense just the wrestling, you know, just the fighting with these guys, trying to get them to be in line with the scriptures and with, the, 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 with, with, uh, with God. You know, I, I love the scriptures so much because it so much embodies what Christianity is all about, the church. You know, when you come into a church and you see one guy who is awesome, what do you think? Well, that guy is awesome. But when you come into the church, you see everybody. When I say awesome, it doesn't mean the schools, the money. and I'm talking about the spirits. But when you see everybody's like that, it's convincing. It's convincing. It's like, man, this is different. This is, if it's one guy that's awesome, you attribute that guy, he's an awesome guy. But if everybody is like that, it's compelling. And that's what the church is. I love the scripture because in essence, that's what it's saying. It's in the weaker things we treat, you know, this way. And the stronger things, they all work together. You know, church in Corinth, 
was an amazing church. Don't think that they were all messed up. The Corinth Corinthians were amazing people. They were part of this little isthmus. And then what it is, it's like the modern, it's like an, an old um, version of the Panama Canal. Everybody goes there. Because it was such a strategic place. Everybody goes there to make it. You know, it's kind of like the New York or the L.A. of, of today. You know, I think about New York and L.A., I think about that, that album by Waylon Jennings. You, ever, you guys ever heard that? Too, too dumb for New York. Too ugly for L.A. It's kind of like that in Corinthians. You go to Corinthians to make it. You, you go to Corinth to make it. And these guys were fighting. And they had the gifts. And they had spiritual gifts. And they had all kinds of stuff. And Paul says, you guys are kind of messed up. You guys are awesome. But you guys need to work together. You know, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he says, man, some of you guys from Chloe's household, I follow Cephas, I follow Paul, and I follow John, and I follow Jesus. And there's always a few of those guys. You know what I mean? It's just... All these guys were following these things. They said, you guys got to get together. And that's what the scripture is all about. We work together. It was so cool when there was an announcement this Sunday that the Rusties are pregnant. Didn't you feel the spirit of the whole church? That's, that's awesome. That's from God. And everybody was rooting for them. Everybody was praying for them. And when we heard the news, it was an answered prayer. When we, when everybody, when someone hurts, we hurt together. When someone is rejoicing, we rejoice. You know, you read the points there. And how do you get to become a part of God's family? You get baptized into the family. Even that is pretty amazing to me. It's not like you jump into the water by yourself. The Bible says what? Repent and be baptized. It's almost like allowing. It's allowing someone else to baptize you. It's allowing someone else to deliver you into the family of Christ. Amen. Church responsibility. Hebrews 3, verse 12 to 13. See to it, brothers. You know, I want to... You know, I've been a member of the L.A. Church of Christ for about three years. I've been in the kingdom for about over 20 years. And it's been really great being outside of staff these past two years just to be a regular disciple. And I think one of the things that I, I see that we need to work on as a membership is this very scripture. I think we have a great church. I mean, I, I've been through ups and downs and all kinds of stuff. I believe this is God's church. This is part of God's kingdom. Otherwise, I wouldn't be around. I'm not going to throw away my life to play church games. Life is amazing to me. Everything is interesting. All the food, all the stuff you can do. It's amazing to me. Don't waste your life. But you know, I love this scripture because I, I see that even in our own fellowship. Not the leadership, not Steve and Jackie challenging us, or not Marco, but we ourselves seeing to it that none of us has a sinful and believing heart. I think we have to figure that out. What does that mean? Sometimes a lot of us were too soft, some of us were too strong. You know, we have to figure out, well, it's not good to be too strong, not good to be too soft. we got to be Christ-like. I love that scripture when it says the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and then listen up all these things. I'm terrible at English. I'm, and I say, what's wrong with that? But if you're an English major, you go, that, it doesn't match. That's singular, and this is plural. But it, it, it makes a point, though. It's not all one thing. 
another in our growth. The fruit of the Spirit is all these things working together. Love, joy, peace, courage, and all these things coming together. Jesus-like. See to it. I think we need to challenge each other more. In love, amen? You know, the scripture even says, you know, in uh, uh, Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. You know, a lot of uh, commentaries see the scripture and they see a, uh, it's almost disjointed. You know, that word spur is such a negative word in some ways, but is used in a positive way. The word spur is almost like irritate each other. Bother each other in love. And some of us are better at that than others. You know, we, we, we were really good at irritating each other. But it's almost like, you know, spurring something on to grow. You know, kind of tickling something to grow. Good deeds, deeds in love. And I love this scripture also because it's like, it, 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 it rings true to me because if it was up to me, I don't want to bother. You know what I'm saying? Now I got a regular job, I come home, it's kind of cool. I don't, I can turn off the phone, you know? And, uh, you know, I remember being in the ministry, it's not like you don't get tired by digging a hole 24 hours a day. Yeah, you get tired, you get tired because you are responsible. For so many people in so many ways. That's where the fatigue sets in. But now I come home, I enjoy myself. <laughs> I do, man. I play with the kid, you know. I turn on the TV. I pop out a beer. I don't even drink beer, but I pop it out anyways. Just to sit in there, you know. So I can just kind of go, yeah, the American lifestyle that I've always dreamed about. And then Lena comes and drinks it, you know. Um, You know, I love the scripture. I really do. It's spur one another on. That's what the church is. I don't want to be church. I don't want to play church. I don't want to be nice people. There's a lot of nice people. I want to be salt. I want to, I want to change the world. I want to I appreciate what Marco said. You know, about those testimonies on Sunday. I, I was inspired about that sister who became a disciple. Look at her boyfriend and says, this is what I'm going to get. Forget that. I got something better. You know, the book of Hebrews is all about finding, this is more better. It's better. It's superior to the old ways. It's better. We can make that together. Amen? And that's what God has called us to do. Church responsibility, you know, we looked at, see to it, you know, what the church is. Let's go on. And uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 6 to 8. Got to crank along here a little bit. Amen. And 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 to 2. You know, the New Testament Christians, the beginning 
church were mostly Jews who became Christians. And it was in their spirit. And they've been taught since they were kids to give a tenth of everything that they got. First fruits. Not at the end when they counted up everything, but the first fruits they gave to God. And that was the spirit that they came into the church with. And although, you know, the scripture does not specify how much to give, it actually, the New Testament, if you really read it carefully, the sacrifices were even more. More than they were able to. Giving up their homes and giving up so much more than even the Old Testament. And really, to me, that's the spirit of the New Testament. It doesn't tell you to. It's kind of like Valentine's Day last night, right? You know, I'm going to do this for you, honey. You know, you count out the ways. You know, you don't want to, you want to do more than what's expected. Amen? It's like your wife. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to do the minimum. I'm going to do more than what is expected. You got to talk to people about their tithe. Like I said, if we do a good job by this time, if they have a good heart, they're going to ask you for advice. This is where I'm at. And it's a conversation to help people through. It's not just a straight out says, give 10%. It's, it's, a, it's a conversation, you know, to talk through their budget, to help through um, their giving. We're going to close out in church leadership. And uh, let me just go ahead and read that because I want to kind of move along here a little bit. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse uh, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Most of scriptures talk about how leaders should be. And there's a tremendous amount of responsibility placed on leadership. And we have to appreciate that. Amen? But here, on a few occasions, just like here, it instructs us to obey the leaders and tells us in the verse 1, you know, what the leaders should be in terms of in our relationship with them. You know, we need to obey our leaders. We need to respect and follow them. And, uh, you know, we, we, to be honest with you, uh, living in Asia, coming to America, it's a little different. America, we are a little bit tough on our leaders sometimes. You know, sometimes, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm a little bit taken back. I, I grew up here, and I'm pretty American, captain my high school baseball team. I'm pretty good with sports. I can match you um, pretty much with all the stats. Pretty good. Uh, but I still think it taken aback by even the derisiveness of our politics, our president. It's a little different for me. And I think, I think we got to really not be part of the world, but be part of the kingdom. Amen? we got to respect our leader. And appreciate Steve and Jackie. They make it very easy for us uh, to respect them. You guys want to come up at this time? Yeah. And they want to say something with that as well. <laughs>